So if I was to hold a watch up in front of your face and say, keep your eyes on the watch, don't move your head, hold still, breathe, and very gently listen to the sound of my voice. So I'm going to count down from five, four, three. You would think I was hypnotizing you, and I think that was the, that's kind of like the, the idea we have about hypnosis. And hypnosis has been used in therapy uh, for a long, long time. And I want to explore why, what it's for. Uh, we're going to be talking with Lene Braxton a lot about the conscious and the subconscious and about bringing the subconscious forward, addressing the subconscious, addressing the conscious uh, with mindfulness, addressing the subconscious with, with uh, not just uh, hypnosis, but also yoga and how yoga as a therapeutic intervention practice can bridge the conscious and the subconscious because we often don't know what's going on in our bodies. And yoga makes us very conscious, uh, consciously aware of, whoop, that's a stretch point. And I'm just going to stop there and hold on for a second. And that's therapy. I want people to understand that yoga and therapy are so much of life. It's alike. There's stretching into the uncomfortable and holding, but being very awake and aware of that moment and being very present with that moment. And then when you're ready, not when the teacher's ready, not when the therapist is ready, but when you're ready, your body will naturally stretch a little bit farther. So we're going to talk with Lene about these concepts. Let's bring some truth to it. Let's see if yoga and hypnosis and mindfulness therapy therapies and interventions are going to work for you and your family. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I am your host, Aaron Huey, and this is yet another one of these amazing C4 events, the CCSAD Virtual 2020 Conference, where we get the experts from off the stage and put them right into your headphones, parents on this amazing podcast. My many thanks to uh, CCSAD Virtual 2020 Conference. And let's get on with our show. My guest is Lene Braxton. Lene, thank you so much for being here. You're about to be a doctor. Ah, uh, hi, Aaron. <laughs> hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And so, yes, I am uh heading into my final year of coursework and then on to the dissertation nice. with a PhD in mind body medicine. I have a master's degree in exercise science specializing in sports psychology. And I'm also getting another master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. All right. I like school. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you got to get your notebooks out because we got a smart one here and we're going to learn a lot. So let's, let's start right out of the gate with, with the first question I like to ask why the field of recovery, mental health recovery, addiction recovery? What are you doing here? Why aren't you off opening your own yoga studio or hypno clinic? Why are you here in the recovery world? What, what are you doing? Well, I believe that we are always in a, either a state of recovery. We're either heading to something that will require us to be in a state of recovery, or either we've always already just come out of recovery. Okay. And I think the word recovery is all relative because there are not only uh, recovering seasons in our lives from addictive behaviors or addictions, however, recovery, be it an illness or be it a mental health illness or anything in our lives that require us to take a step back and to rebalance 
before we move forward. That is what recovery means to me. And years ago, I was diagnosed with MS when I was 24. Okay. After having cheered for an NFL team and been really active, my bachelor's degree is in dance, hence the incorporating movement into right. everything I do. And I was in recovery, not only physical physiological recovery, but mental recovery as well to move past that experience. So although it wasn't a substance, recovery of a substance, it still was very much a state of recovery. And I think that that is so important to recognize as we move forward and and just meet people where they are, regardless of what they're recovering from, we all at some point in our lives will need to recover. And it's something I'm very passionate about. Great. Let's now let's jump into the hypnosis part because yeah. you know, the, 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 the spinning uh, kind of wheel <laughs> thing that you're looking at or the swinging watch. Yeah. What is the, the process of hypnosis. Let's start with the mm -hmm. physical process. What are we actually doing when we're being hypnotized? Absolutely. And I will say the spinning yeah. <laughs> uh, wheel that we've seen yeah, yeah. and in hypnosis has appeared in movies and Las Vegas stage shows. Sure. Uh, hypnosis has been used as a form of entertainment, quite honestly. Yeah. But, but it is a very, very sound and strong clinical modality. And there are three aspects of hypnosis. One is absorption, which is the deep mental focus portion. The next is dissociation, disconnecting from anything that may no longer serve us. And the third is suggestibility. And that is utilizing the power of suggestion to tap into the subconscious. And whether we want to release old memories that are contributing to destructive patterns and behaviors, or whether we'd like to tap into some talent and kind of undiscovered strengths, utilizing ego strengthening, that power of suggestion really, really helps. And it's so important in recovery because that ego strengthening gives us the belief and the hope that we can press on. Or when we're being hypnotized, are we going to sleep? That's what you see. They yeah. close their eyes. The people are talking in their sleep. It's yes. some sort of like half mumble. But having seen actual hypnosis mm -hmm. intervention and therapeutic techniques, I saw yeah. something completely different. The person was very aware and very mm -hmm. awake, but they were able to, they had a level of recall that, that I, I mean, it was, it was remarkable. So yeah. what's going on in the brain? Why, why, mm -hmm. why are we picturing them asleep or picturing them going deeper into memories? Well, you know, that can be answered a few ways. And the reason is because there is a lot of ambiguity in hypnosis, Aaron. What do you mean? Uh, there, the APA, the American Psychological Association, Division 30, Hypnosis Division, has really spent a lot of time even developing a committee to come up with a definition of hypnosis. Then the Society of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, which I'm a member of, has come up with their own definition. And then the American Hypnosis Association, you know, there, there are all of these right. organizations that are trying to 
pin down what exactly has happened. That actually what you're referring to is trance. So what is happening when we are in a state of trance? There are a couple theories on that. I will say that Erickson, uh, right. the kind of the founding father of, of hypnosis, has theories that uh, when we're in trance, what we're doing is we're so relaxed that we're actually calling things from our subconscious to the forefront. Some some hypnosis practitioners or hypnotherapists will do past life regression and right. so forth. And what they're doing is through the power of suggestion, creating a, a safe space for those memories to come forward. Now, Michael Yapko, Dr. Yapko, he believes that we are always in a state of trance. And what he has told uh, his scholars, if you will, is, you know, do we want to be hypnotist or do we want to be hypnotic? And there is a difference. And I think the difference in clinical practice and being hypnotic is really establishing the relationship between the clinician and the client or patient. Because once that trust is there, then the client or patient really does feel the comfort to go deep and to truly, truly relax. So what is happening there? The brain is simply at a state of rest, not sleep, but rest and relaxation. It seems there's a level of vulnerability required that you talked about the entertainment piece before that mm -hmm. people can take advantage of for other people's entertainment, yeah. but for their own shadowy purposes. And it's certainly that's the kind of the shadow legend around hypnosis. Yeah. How you, you, you talked about suggestibility, I mean, if someone is truly open and suggestible, you can heal trauma very rapidly. You could, you could help people really begin to, to disconnect the trigger and the trauma response. Like a lot, like just like EMDR, yes. you know, there, there's a, there's a yes. pretty spectacular process available. How vulnerable does a client actually have to be for hypnosis to work with a, with a therapist? Well, I've seen clients on you know wide range of spectrums right. clients that flat out will say i can't be hypnotized you know and so on a hypnotizability scale maybe they're so high functioning that they just don't feel they possess the capability to go into trance to clients and usually as we spoke of a little earlier that are a little bit younger yeah uh primarily teens i mean really the the best age is about 12 to 13 because their imaginations are so vivid uh who immediately you're talking to them and and all you have to do is some conversational hypnosis because they're already in trance because they have such vivid imaginations and are just open. Or if the door, as you mentioned, Aaron, isn't open, it's unlocked. Right. Uh, right. So um, I would say that working with someone that says, you know, without a doubt, they cannot be hypnotized and they are not open. Um, usually the window into them, because usually you don't have a whole door, right. but the window <laughs> into that particular client is the trust with the clinician. Okay. And also incorporating, I usually recommend incorporating 
hypnosis into traditional, if we're talking medicine, allopathic medical techniques, or if we're we're speaking of uh, psychotherapy, traditional or more traditional psychotherapeutic techniques like talk therapy or CBT uh, or something wherein you're not actually saying, okay, this is a hypnotherapy session. You're saying, this is your psychotherapy session. We are working on some of the same things we've always worked on, but with your consent, I'm infusing some non-traditional modalities. So when they're not expecting with their own personal bias, hypnosis, oh, I'm not being hypnotized. No, what we're doing is simply incorporating some hypnotic techniques or hypnotherapy techniques into the, the traditional psychotherapeutic practices. That's one way in. How, how much of hypnosis is a process of body relaxation, just being able to relax the full being or so let me, let me ask, here's why I'm asking this question, because I think I'm one of those guys who couldn't be hypnotized. I'm extremely (laughs) ADHD. I am constantly looking, looking for squirrels and finding Mm -hmm. them because everything has the same level of import and priority in my brain. The Mm -hmm. test I'm taking, the clock ticking on the wall, that person shuffling in their chair, everything, nothing's prioritized. Everything is Mm -hmm. equal in my brain. And that, that is ADHD. And so it's very hard for me to, to focus there just on one thing. Um, but if you were to take me through this process of relaxation, I'm imagining I could sink deeper. Now, how much of what I just described is actually the process of entering into a hypnotic state? All of it. Oh, all of it. As I mentioned, uh, Dr. Yapko believes that we are always in a hypnotic state in a state of trance. There really is no in and out. Ideally, we're in that state of flow. I would say with someone that self-professes to not really be able to focus, which, you know, again, these are things that you've been told. Maybe you believe them about yourself. Rather than working against that, I would recommend working with it and, and investigating and maybe looking at why you believe that. What is deeper than than those behaviors or residual effects of that belief. Sure. And so with that, I would incorporate movement because if you are a mover, because what I hear when you say that is I need to be moving to feel free and to feel something's going to move. If my body's not moving, my brain is brain is going to move. Yes. So we'll incorporate movement and it's almost like a little teeny distraction from the fact that, we're working so that something else has some stillness. <laughs> right. So that's why I do like combining the movement. That makes sense. And the hip, hypnosis together. You know, and for the record, number one, I'm never holding still because I feel like if I focus, I, I my body's in danger because I'll, mm. I'll miss something. But mm-hmm. number two, I truly see ADHD as my superpower now. It is, mm-hmm. it is, it is why I am successful. It is why I'm compassionate. It is why I, I believe I'm progressive in my, in my belief systems is because I'm seeing what's going on and I don't, my body just doesn't tune things out. So I don't don't see my ADHD as a disadvantage unless someone said we're going to do hypnosis. And then you're right. That belief system would, would show right up. Lene, let's, let's pause for a second. I'm going to do a quick shout out and I'm going to come right back to you. I want to talk about yoga and I want us to wrap up with mindfulness as we, uh, yeah. So, so hang tight just for a second. 
Gotcha. The CCSAD Virtual 2020 Conference is made possible by sponsors. When we're doing these events live and we're in the hotel and and I get to meet people like Lene Braxton face to face and we sit down across the table from each other, there's a reason why that room where I'm podcasting has been made available. That's because someone sponsored it. Uh, the, the lunch that we all go to, uh, someone has ponied up the dough so that everybody gets free drinks. Uh, there are booths, there are, there are events, there are... There are sponsors to make events like this virtual 2020 conference happen. Whether we're going to be together in the room where we can all high five and hug, or we're going to be on Zoom and have to virtually high five and hug. There are sponsors who have stepped forward to make and uh, have this virtual 2020 conference happen and thank god it does because then i get to interview these amazing people and get them to get their information directly into the parents or hand and the sponsors i want to talk about today just three of them these are three sponsors three companies organizations that have ponied up the most dough the most time and the most energy to make the most out of this event so i want to thank high watch recovery center mountainside and the guest house for showing up for showing up in this way to make sure that C4 Events, who puts on CCSAD, can continue to do so even when we're all supposed to stay home, wear our masks, and wash our hands. So thank you to High Watch Recovery Center, Mountainside, and the Guest House for being our platinum sponsors. Thank you so much. All right, let's get back to our show. All right, we're back. I want to... Uh, I, I told you off the air, Lene, that we are, uh, we started our program, our Adolescent Treatment Center, Fire Mountain, in Boulder, yeah. Colorado. There Amazing. are as many therapists as there are yoga practitioners yoga. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in Boulder, Colorado. We've had yoga as a part of our treatment program mm -hmm. forever. And one of the things that I, that I, the main thing that I love about yoga is what I was talking about earlier. It's mm -hmm. that you are finding the edge and you're holding it there, but you don't get to grin and bear it or close your eyes and go away. You got to stick with the process. So that's why I love yoga for treatment. Why do you bring yoga into your treatment process? I love yoga for similar reasons, Aaron. I think that I couldn't have said it better what I usually say during a session when there is a place of discomfort, I usually say pain, our body lets us know that pain is not good. Discomfort, we can handle. Yeah. And then I also say that there is strength and stillness when you're, push, you're moving through that. Right. And sometimes we do have to just be especially those of us and notice I say us right. that are, are high functioning and moving all the time, all whether the time. it's our physical bodies or our brain. And uh, earlier what you were saying about ADHD being your superpower. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm not sure if I said this out loud, but I was thinking it that most geniuses are 
they have you have that same similar quality and as you mentioned that's why you've been successful that's why you're able to help so many people that's why your you know your way resonates and helps so many people heal it's just amazing could you but call my I- high school teachers and let them know please <laughs> <laughs> you know i would like to because i believe that And this is why I love combining yoga, especially hypnosis and other uh, alternative modalities or complementary and alternative modalities into treatment because they are proactive and they work with the client during their process versus trying to change that path. And I think that if more schools, you mentioned your high school teachers, incorporated that on the front end, then on the back end, we wouldn't look at these things as problems or challenges. We would actually recognize them as strengths and, and know how to utilize them in productive ways. You said a big thing about yoga, that about, about mm-hmm. uh, the discomfort is okay. And this is something mm-hmm. that's hard for parents, my generation, Gen Xers, to really mm-hmm. teach their kids. We like to complain that millennials mm-hmm. and, you mm-hmm. know, the, 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 the I generation or the Gen Yers, that they just can't handle discomfort. And they got trophies and they got, you know, graduation at second grade and third grade. And I want to remind people, it's the Gen Xers that were hosting those graduation ceremonies and buying those trophies. And (laughs) yeah, we did it. And I want to, I want to understand this, this desire for the younger generation to sit with discomfort. This is exactly what yoga does. It allows you to find stillness while you're feeling uncomfortable. Yesterday was an uncomfortable day at the facility. And instead of just blowing through it or trying to get the kids distracted. We sat in it. I sat them down during martial arts class and said, we're going to talk about this and it's uncomfortable, but conflict happens and resolution of conflict is what the world needs. And so let's do this and that you're right. This is what yoga teaches. It's okay to be uncomfortable. So true. I'm looking at your, your beautiful branding, your shirt beyond risk and back in risk. And, and reward, there is a period of discomfort. Right. And, I, and I know that we also, a Gen, Gen, Gen Xer, have coddled and, and, and maybe for fear, operating from a place of fear, have created this environment where the next generation really isn't uh, prepared for that discomfort. But I think reprogramming the brain, which is also what hypnosis can do kind of going deeper and, and if not reprogramming, but changing patterns and behaviors can do that at a subconscious level, recognizing that those risks going through them, working through them with strength and grace it's very possible. It's very possible. And feeling all the feels, <laughs> feeling all of it. What do you so talk more all. about that? Feeling all the yeah, feels. Talk about that sure. a second. A lot of times I think that it's human nature for us to run away from the discomfort. Right. And, you know, you put a pinky toe on, you know, something that's hot. Well, we jump back. Well, okay. We don't want to get burned. True. That's, that's understandable. However, if it's just a little bit uncomfortable and it's just going to be warm, let's just walk through it and feel it. It it may be really warm, but let's just walk through it because on the other side, you felt that, but you were able to say that you walked through it, you moved through it, but 
you felt it. And I think that there's something to be said for a few scars that have healed. Do you know, yeah, yeah, there's, it's really something because in this country, um, you know, certainly being as litigious and as careful as, as we are, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that scarification is the, the license of going through a rite of passage, Mm -hmm. right? My daughter and I are polar swimmers. We, we do cold water swims. Uh, when she was very, very young, she and I bathed, Mm -hmm. we lived, we lived off grid and she and I bathed in a Creek year round when she was one to three years old. So we still utilize that practice. And as I, as I'm listening to your talking about the expansion through discomfort, right? Is that being able to handle discomfort, you're talking about, you know, warm water and moving through the warm water and relaxing into the warm water. That's how the Japanese take baths. Their baths are so hot. You have to relax to be able to sit Mm -hmm. still for a minute. And it's the same with cold water. Your breath goes, (gasps) And the goal is to now breathe out and to control the breath oh, out. And now yes, you're, you're yes. in a process of control and you're very, you cannot go into cold water unconsciously and you <laughs> can't do word for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is a yoga practice. And I just want to say to families who look at yoga and be like, Oh, that's woo woo. And using mm-hmm. it in recovery is woo woo. It is literally the practice of therapy. You're gonna Absolutely. go into a state of discomfort consciously and we're going to stick there but this brings up the third piece that you have in and that's the mindfulness because we talk about going into cold water or hot water or therapy or yogic practice or hypnosis mindfulness is a term that you said off the air it's it's just just tossed around it's pretty common everybody's we do mindfulness practice i want to know lene what does that mean you know You said it best, Aaron, actually, when you were saying being in the cold water, you have to breathe out. And then also, that's exactly what I meant when I said feeling all the feel. Right. Being mindful and tuning in to where you are at that very moment. Are you in cold water? And and are you on the edge of panicking? Okay. Well, let's feel that. We know what that is. How can we survive through that? Right. Being mindful of what it will take for you to, to move through something. To me, that is what mindfulness is. It's incorporating those conscious places where we can be aware of, of what we need at that moment. Sometimes simply asking yourself, what do I need right now? Is being mindful of what you need to move forward. And it's just the, the word itself kind of gives you an explanation, a definition. Your mind is Mm -hmm. full, like, like of, of whatever you're doing in the moment, Mm -hmm. you've got to be full minded about it. Is there in, in your, in the beginning practice of mindfulness, Mm -hmm. were there any uh, steps, a process that you literally took step one, I'm going to do this step two, I'm going to do this step three, I'm going to focus here. Step four, I'm going to think this to get into a mindfulness space to be able to, because you can say, Hey, Mm -hmm. what does taking care of yourself look like right now? And 90% of the people go, I don't, I just don't, I don't, I'm my kids, my, my, my spouse, my ex, my work. And you're like, I was talking about none of those things. Like, so how do you get into, how do you get into a state of mindfulness? 
as a society, we haven't historically focused on it. I actually teach and facilitate uh, through Saybrook University an incoming mind-body-spirit integration seminar for new PhD students. Because a lot of times students coming in from grad school, or let's say it's even been 20 years between their first graduate degree and, and coming in for their PhD, integrating the mind, body, and the spirit together at the beginning of an academic journey is huge. And so there are specific techniques. There's something that we use called a body scan and learning how to tap into how you're physically feeling. There's movement that we use, yoga, Um, getting to a place where you're actually open and because the cohort starting at the same time right. and they know this is a required class. They are open to it. Uh, I would say that just in general life and for anyone, whether in recovery or, or having already moved through a season of recovery to find a place where you are literally thinking about how you feel. You're being mindful huh. of how you feel. Huh? And it's different for everyone. So I would love to have steps of one, two, and three. But unlike hypnosis and, and you know, modalities are actually uh, defined, mindfulness is so broad and it's different for everyone. It just, it's a matter of what it means to you. It's very I lo- personal. I, yeah. just, since you've said it, I've written it twice, thinking about feeling. <laughs> You know, because they are two very separate things and we are not taught about how they're separate, why they're separate and what it feels like when you're using one versus the other. But mindfulness, you know, feeling about how you're thinking, that happens pretty constantly subconsciously, right? We have Mm -hmm. thoughts and then we feel things and then we have actions. But actually reversing that thing is, is, I have a feeling, I need to think about this. You know, that is how we develop the gap between feeling and action is we go back to thought and we say, what do I think about this? And what do I think is really triggering this? And where do I think this actually came from? You said it earlier. It's like, Oh, I'm ADHD and I'd never be able to do that. We'd be like, okay, that's what you've been told. And we can talk about who told you that. And that put me in a state of thinking. And Mm -hmm. suddenly I was mindful about being ADHD. So it is a pretty quick little process. I love it. It is. And then also the residual effects of that, when you think about addictive behaviors and getting to the root cause of, you know, whether it's genetics or, you know, whether, um, you know, what causes the, the dis-ease, I don't like using the term dis-ease, right. I'd rather say imbalance, right. but in giving credence to knowing that there are genetic factors, there are uh, any number of factors that weigh into uh, addictive behaviors and, and, And so, and the need for recovery in a lot of ways, there's a book called the body keeps score. That's something I wanted to mention. I'm not sure if you uh, read that book and and I'm sorry, but the author, uh, forgive me, is slipping my mind, but it's a book called the body keeps score. And I think we were just talking about um, mindfulness and, and movement and all of that. At some point it comes out somehow whether it's through the manifestation of an addiction or through the manifestation of an, an illness, right? What, even if it's back pain, 
that's coming from somewhere else. It's coming out. The Body Keeps Score, Brain, Mind, and Body, and the Healing of Trauma, a book by Bessel van der Kolk. Yes. Does that sound familiar? There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bessel with a B, Bessel B. van der Kolk, K-O-L-K. Yes. The Body Keeps beautiful, Score. Beautiful book, yes. Uh, it mm-hmm. looks like you can get a PDF of it online right now, too. So I'm going to check this. Perfect. Oh, I've seen, the, I've seen this book, of course. Oh. Now I that I've seen the front, of yeah. course, this, uh, that, that, that kind of that silhouetted figure with the stars yeah. around it, that, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a okay. very, very popular book, folks. This yeah. is yes. excellent. Excellent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well now talk about how people can find you. Cause I, this has been fascinating and I know people are going to want to follow up with you directly. So oh, wow. how do they do I so? Loved it. Every minute I own a company called holistic performance performance center and the website is www.holisticperformancecenter.com and that's holistic with an h performancecenter.com i can be reached via email at lene that's l-e-n-e-e at holisticperformancecenter.com I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, other social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram Okay. We've got uh, Lene, L-E-N-E-E at holisticperformancecenter.com and your website, holisticperformancecenter.com. Yes. Yes. And Love to help. Yeah. Fantastic. Lene, thank you so much. Stay on the line for thank a second you. while I get us signed out and, uh, and uh, you and I will chat. I'd like to do a longer show with you. Ah, I would love it. I, I had a blast. Thank you so much. Uh, perfect. All right. Oh, and I, I do yeah. have a podcast as well. Oh, yeah. I'm Talk about you your podcast. Yes. The Mindful, speaking of mindfulness, The Mindful Business Renegades. The Mindful yeah, Business podcast. Renegades. Are you guys we're, on we're, Spotify, on iTunes, on Spotify all of, all of them? Apple, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Thanks. All right, Lene. The, uh, and folks, remember about this, The Mindful Business Renegades. Uh, get, get up there on Spotify to connect with Lene. This is, this is what I'm talking about. There are so many different approaches to recovery, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, financial health, uh, emotional health. And the, the whole purpose of the podcast, the whole purpose of the CCSAD event, whether it's virtual here in 2020 or any other time, is to be able to learn from the experts like soon-to-be Dr. Braxton here. So this is why. So follow up with her. Go to holisticperformance.com. Uh, uh, sorry, Holis, uh, holistic performance. What was the C for Lene? Center. Uh, holistic performance center, uh, dot com. Holistic performance center and Lene at holistic performance center.com. Uh, and follow up and learn more about this. If this is striking you, because we have used yoga with children since we opened our facility. I'll be honest. I can't stand yoga, but it's also the reason why I recovered from back surgery. Tai Chi, I find the same type of things. Uh, My best friend is certified in hypnosis. I know the benefits of this stuff because I've been around the experts for many, many years. So if this is the first time you've heard of this type of stuff, follow up on it. I want to give a huge thanks to Deepin Productions, who not only does the amazing music for this podcast, but they produce all my podcasts at Beyond Risk and Back and make sure I get these shows out in a timely manner and in the right order. 
I want to thank C4 Events, who puts on the CCSAD event. Uh, I miss seeing everybody face-to-face, but the fact that we've gone virtual here in 2020, C4 has done yet again another amazing job to bring us all together for the CCSAD conference. Parents, please give a listen, like, subscribe, and share to be on Risk and Back. And if you would, it would help tremendously. If you go to iTunes and leave me a review, what this helps is my ego. No, what this really and truly helps is it helps parents who are trying to help their kids find the help they need. That's what a good review does. So please go to iTunes, leave me a great review. And remember, parents, take care of yourselves first. Get to a yoga class. Take care of your adult relationships second. Find a support group. And then... Then and only then can you take care of your children third, because in that way we do our best work with our children. My thanks to Lene Braxton. I'll see you next week on Beyond Risk and Back.